All right, well, good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Good morning. Let's open with a word of prayer. God, I pray that we will um, remember why we are here today, not because we have to be here, but because we get to be here. God, we get to gather together in the name of Jesus celebrate new life that can only be found in you. And I pray that you will speak through me, use me, and help me to point only to Jesus. We love you, but only because you have made it known clearly that you love us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, our text for today is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and we're also going to cover verse 6. So, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and also 6. So, we have been in a series on Hebrews. Uh, next week will be our last week covering the book of Hebrews. But the first three weeks, uh, if you remember, we covered who is Jesus? What does the book of, Je- book of Hebrews show us about who Jesus is? Well, Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. And when we better understand how he is all three of those things, we can better understand this new covenant that we have with God through Jesus. So we've been covering who Jesus is, but this week and the next week, I'd like us to focus on our response to who Jesus has shown us who he is. And this week, we are looking at how Hebrews talks about faith. We know there's a famous passage in the book of Hebrews that talks about by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Rahab did this. There's a whole list of scripture characters And the book of Hebrews shows, no, they're not superheroes. They're just people who lived by faith. And so what does it mean for us to live by faith? Or better yet, why is faith so important in the first place? Well, I heard this story recently, this kind of way of looking at faith. And for me, when I heard it, it really helped me to better understand what faith means and why it's so important. So I'll start off by telling you this made-up story that I think we can all relate to a little bit. So, imagine you're walking on a cliff and uh, for some reason you're not paying attention and you fall off the cliff. Now you're probably saying, I can't relate to this story. I would never fall off a cliff. Well, just imagine, use your imagination for a second that you do. So you're falling off this cliff And, what are you thinking? I I have nothing to hold on to. I have nothing to reach out for. I'm just falling to my death. But, to your surprise, you see a branch. And so your two choices are either die or reach out for that branch. Which one are you going to do? Are you going to just die or are you going to reach out for that branch? And I'm going to assume that everybody in here would reach out for that branch. And so we're going to go into that a little bit more, but that is kind of like 
what faith is because you've got to put some faith into that branch to save you, don't you? And so uh, in our text for the day, I'm just going to go ahead and read it right now. It's Hebrews 11, like I said, 1 through 3 and verse 6. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And if we skip to verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So, this passage gives us a short little definition of faith. And so what does faith do? Why is faith so important? Well, the first thing we see in verses 1 through 2, is that faith takes our hope to the next step. What does it say? It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So how is faith different than hope? Well, hope is me wishing for something. Oh, I hope the weather's nice tomorrow. Oh, uh, I hope my team wins. But hey, you don't have any assurance of those things happening. You can hope for those things. You can be optimistic. You can be positive. But faith is the assurance that you have those things or that those things will happen. Um, I remember when I worked in a fast food restaurant called Cane's, there would be a schedule each day. Let's say I get off, I'm supposed to get off at 5 o'clock. Well, I'm excited to finally get off of work at 5 but um, my boss may say, hey, you can't get off at 5. We need you to stay 10 or 20 more minutes. Well, okay. The next day that happens again. We need you to stay an hour longer. Then the next day, uh, would you stay till 7? Okay, I don't have faith anymore, do I, that I'm going to get off in time. I may hope. I may go to work and say, ah, I'm supposed to have two hours left to work. I hope they let me off on time. I hope I get off, but I don't have faith that I'm going to get off in time. And what does that do to me? Now, it depends on how much you like your job. It wasn't my favorite job. So for me, thinking, uh, I have one hour left to work, but I, I don't know if I do. I hope I do. It's nice. It gives you some happiness, but it doesn't give you joy because there's still some anxiety that, oh, I may not get off on time. Or think about this example. Let's say you're watching a movie, and now in this movie, the main character is sentenced to prison for life. But we find out that the main character did not commit the crime that they are sentenced to life in prison for. So what are we going to do? We're going to hope that our main character gets off. We're going to hope that our main character gets free. We're going to hope that our main character escapes from prison. But we don't have any assurance that that's going to happen. I, he didn't do what he sentenced to life in prison for. I hope that he gets off. Now imagine that your friend comes up to you. They've already seen the movie. They see you watching it and they say, 
Oh yeah, he don't worry, he escapes at the end. Well, one, you'd probably be a little irritated that the movie was spoiled for you. But two, now you would have an assurance of things hoped for. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have to suffer with the character through the movie until they get to that point. But you have this assurance that he's going to get out. Yes, he's going to be abused in this prison. Yes, he's going to see terrible things and experience terrible things. But we don't just have to hope that he's going to make it out. We get to have faith that he's going to make it out. Um, James W. Thompson, who wrote a commentary about the book of Hebrews, he points out the Greek word that's used in this is hypostasis. So now faith is the hypostasis of things hoped for. What is hypostasis? Hypostasis is reality. Your translation may say faith is the substance of things hoped for. It may say faith is the reality of things hoped for. In James W. Thompson, he says, the word hypostasis refers to the solid foundation that stands under the feet. And he points out the word became a metaphor in philosophical literature to refer to reality in contrast to mere appearances into a subsistent as opposed to an accident. Um, you can tell this is a very academic person that's writing this. But basically what he's saying is that even ancient philosophers would use this word to point out what is real, what is solid ground, what can we actually rely on. And so this word hypostasis that the Bible uses, that the book of Hebrews uses, it says now faith is the hypostasis of things hoped for. What does that mean? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the reality of things hoped for. And faith is the solid ground that stands under our feet of things hoped for. What did we talk about last week? We have an unshakable kingdom. Our faith points to that unshakable kingdom that is more real than we realize. We can't see it. It's going to require some hope. But we can also have assurance of that hope. So faith takes our hope to the next step. It's good to have hope. I'm not saying anything bad against hope. But hope can't just stay hope. It needs to evolve into faith. It's one thing to hope that Jesus is risen from the dead. It's one thing to hope that God loves you. It's another thing to have an assurance of those things. The next thing that we see in the book of Hebrews is that faith expands our vision. And so I'll read verse 3 again. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So what is he saying? By faith we're able to look beyond our own two feet and into what we don't understand. By faith we understand that Life is not just about what's in front of us. Life is not just about what's material in front of us, but it's about uh, the invisible God that we know is there, but we know that we also can't see. So faith, it, it takes our vision off of ourselves and puts it onto God. So let's go back to that story for a second. You're falling. Um, let's say that you say, you see somebody falling with you. And you say, grab onto that branch. But they say, no, I got this. I'm going to save myself. You would think, 
You're not going to save yourself. You can't save yourself. You're falling. I'm falling. The only thing that can save us is this branch. Uh, maybe that person's parents are falling next to them. Oh, my, my mom and dad will save me. Oh, my wife will save me. Oh, uh, this job that I have will save me. Uh, we, ha- we have this view that all these things that we can see will save us. But faith takes our vision off of just ourselves, off of just the things that we think that we can trust in, and faith points to the ultimate one that we can trust in, the only one that can really save us. You see, we do have a branch, and it's been pointed to us, and the branch to reach out for, his name is Jesus. And Jesus himself preached the importance of faith constantly. Have you noticed how many times Jesus told people, you have little faith, or you have no faith. Jesus was always preaching the importance of faith. And in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, we're going to read about the time that Jesus calmed the sea. It says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them, in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He asked them, Have you still no faith? After all you've seen, you still have no faith. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Maybe they did have faith. Maybe they had faith in their boat. Maybe they had faith in the weather being nice that day. Maybe they had faith in themselves being great navigators of the sea. But really, their faith, their assurance of things hoped for, was not meant to be in themselves. Their faith was meant to be in the branch that was sleeping in the stern of the boat. Jesus didn't get on to them for not having faith in themselves. He didn't say, hey guys, why didn't you believe in yourself? No, he said, why didn't you believe in me? So Jesus expanded their vision. He was pointing to what should be the true object of their faith. He was pointing to the branch, and he was pointing to himself as the branch, as the only one that can truly save, the only one that can truly calm the storms, the Lord of all creation, not the one that is pushed like the boat, but the one who makes the sea and who makes the people who make the boat. We put all of our faith in these things that we think we can trust, but there's only one that we can really, truly put our faith in. We can hope 
in other people. And we can hope in other things, but we can only truly put our faith in God through Christ. And do you see what's happening here? A lot of times we think my faith is about how strong it is. I have to have great faith. I have to have strong faith. But here's the thing. We get onto ourselves so much for the levels of our faith, but it's not about how strong our faith is, but it's about how strong the object of our faith is. It doesn't do me any good as I'm falling to look and say, that looks like a strong branch. No, it does me good to reach out for that branch. It's one thing to say, oh, I have knowledge of this branch, but it's another thing to put your faith in it to save you. And Jesus knew that the, the disciples would need faith. All the people that asked him to heal them, they would need faith. Because, yeah, he could heal them from their sickness. He could heal them from their bleeding. He could heal them from their blindness. But even after those things, if we just live off of miracles, what are we going to want? We're going to want more. Jesus, show me more signs. Give me more proof. I want more. And eventually we have to say, Jesus, I trust you, even in the storms, even when the water's breaking into my boat. I know that I, everybody that I know dies. It's not like putting faith in Jesus means you're never going to suffer, you're never going to die, you're never going to be hurt. But putting faith in Jesus means that those things aren't the end. Jesus is the one that's in control. And I can't prove that to you. I can only point to the branch. The branch is strong enough to prove itself. I can't sit here and say, I have definitive proof that the branch can save you. All I can say is that the branch has saved me. All I can say is that I've reached out for the branch and I've found new life by reaching out for it and holding on to it. And you may say, I'm not sure I can trust it to stay, carry my weight. But all I can say is that the prophets pointed to it. They said, it will carry your weight. We point to it as Christians. It has carried our weight. We can trust in it. And so, there was a time recently when I was asking myself, what does it mean to have faith? What is it? How can I know more about God? How can I, how can I live in faith with God when I don't understand everything about God? But faith allows us to live that way, doesn't it? It doesn't have to have all the answers. I like the way that Jared Hurd, uh, a former pastor at Lake Point, put it. He wrote this book called More Lost Than Found, and it's a book about doubt and faith. And he says, we were meant to peek into heaven, but we're trying to cram heaven into our brains. We weren't meant to fit all of heaven into our brains. We were just meant to peek into it. If God is as big as we say that he is, how could we possibly expect to fit him all right here? But God is so big, and that means that it's going to require faith. It means that we're not going to comprehend everything. We're not going to understand everything, but we do get to peek into heaven. We do get to peek into what God is doing. And I like the way that Richard Rohr said it. He said, Faith is the only way of knowing that is comfortable with not knowing. 
every other way of knowing says, I have to have all the answers, but faith is the only way of knowing that is okay with not knowing, that is okay with mystery. Faith doesn't mean that you're going to know everything, but it means that you trust God and you say, I'm okay with mystery because I know that you're in control of the mystery. You're in control of the things that I can't understand and the things that I can't see. And the third thing that we see about faith in this passage is that faith pleases God. So if you'll look with me in verse 6 of chapter 11, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the question is, why is faith so important? Why do we need faith at all? Well, I think the verse tells you, doesn't it? Without faith, it is impossible to draw near to God. Even if God was right here, even if Jesus was standing right here, without faith, it's impossible for me to draw near to him. We might say, oh, I don't believe in God because I can't see him. Well, even if he was here, you would still need faith to draw near to him. Think about it. If you're a parent and you have kids, or just think of having one kid. Now, if I told you this kid is never going to trust you again, this kid is never going to believe that you are looking out for their good. This kid is always going to think that you are looking out for their bad. This kid is always going to hesitate to be around you because they're afraid of you. They don't believe that they can trust you. How would that make you feel? I know how it would make you feel. That would, you would be gutted. You would be devastated because you want your kid to draw near to you. But they can't if they don't trust you if they don't have faith in you. So of course it pleases God for us to have faith in Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because without faith, we refuse to draw near to God. We think, oh, if I don't have faith, God's going to punish me. But really, God's extended out the branch. If I don't have faith, it's my fault. It, I'm punishing me. I'm missing out on the good, good Father who's done everything to make himself known to me. Our trust and our faith are what become our worship. How can you worship God if you don't trust him, if you don't have faith in him? And I like how N.T. Wright puts it. He said, you may have a general sense that there is a supreme divine being, and you may even have a suspicion that this being wants people to search for him. But unless you have faith, unless you really believe that God exists and that he does indeed want people to seek him and will reward them lavishly when they do, you can't actually begin to worship him. You can't begin to worship. You can't begin to celebrate our creator. You can't begin to celebrate what he's done for us in Jesus if the whole time you're filled with anxiety that I don't really think God is who he says he is. Once we begin to trust him, not just that he exists, but that he is who he says he is. Because if you grow up thinking, all I have to do is just believe that he exists, 
Well, guess who else believes that he exists? Demons. The book of James says God's enemies believe he exists. So it's not enough just to believe that he exists, but we need to trust in him. We need to trust that he is good, that he is a good, good father, that he loves us, that he wants the best for us, that he wouldn't ask us to do anything unless it was for our good and for the good of the kingdom of God. It's going to take some trust. It's going to take faith. And I think sometimes when we experience doubts, we get hard on ourselves, don't we? We think, oh no, God's going to be so mad that I'm experiencing doubts. Uh, Sometimes faith comes easy, doesn't it? There are sometimes dark seasons in our life when we just can't see God as clear as we used to. And doubts are normal. Think about when Jesus was raised from the dead. It says that some of the disciples worshipped him, but some still doubted. Now, if they have seen Jesus crucified, if they have seen Jesus put in a tomb for three days, and now they've seen the risen and living Jesus, and they still struggle with doubt, how can we think that we'll never, ever encounter doubt, ever? Doubts are like the tomb that Jesus was in. But because the tomb could not hold Jesus, our doubts don't have to hold us either. Jesus didn't come to take away our doubts. Jesus came to challenge our doubts. Jesus came to be with us in our doubts. And say, I know it's hard to have faith. I know it's hard to hope sometimes. But look to me, not only on the cross, but resurrected with the nail marks in my hands and in my feet. Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Because if you only believe with seeing, you're just going to need to see over and over and over again. But happy and blessed are those who believe and trust without seeing. Because they're free from needing sight constantly. God has freed us from always having to have all the answers. He's given us the only answer we really, truly need in His Son, Jesus. There's an interesting story in the book, Reason for God by Timothy Keller. He talks about a woman who was in his church. And she told him, I was going through a very dark period of doubt in my life. And I told my friends about it. I told them that I'd been praying, God, I can't find you. I can't find you. I can't find you, God. And her friends told her, how about change your prayer to God, come and find me. After all, you are the good shepherd who goes out to find his lost sheep. And she told this pastor, you know what, the only reason that I can even tell you this story is because he did. He did come. And he did find me. Jesus came down to be that branch for us to reach out to. Jesus, think about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was arrested. All the disciples proved faithless. They all ran away. All the people that said Hosanna and welcomed Jesus in were saying crucify him, crucify him. Everyone became faithless except Jesus. Jesus was faithful even to the point of dying on the cross. 
We've seen Jesus on the cross so many times in movies, in books, and even in the Bible that we may become numb to it. But think about what Jesus went through on the cross. Think about the torture that he experienced, not just physically, but spiritually, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we were faithless, Jesus was faithful. And because Jesus was faithful to the point of death, even death on a cross, we can have faith. We can have assurance of life, eternal life. Not just someday, but now. Joy and peace that we could not know without Jesus coming and finding us and making a way for us that we could not make for ourselves. We don't just have to hope anymore. But we can have an assurance finally through Jesus of what we have hoped for.